Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Monday morning, the 4th of September. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. Indeed, good morning from West Street in the centre of Drogheda, the hometown of Edmund Michael Garvey, who was born here in 1945. Garvey was educated by the Christian Brothers himself, and at the age of 14, he joined the Juniorat, then known by its Latin name as the Juvenat in Baldoyle. When he was 16, Edmund entered the Novitiate in Merino. He, he went on then to become a member of uh, the Congregation of Christian Brothers and carved out what many considered to have been a distinguished career. He was appointed to the role of Assistant Congregation Leader before becoming the Congregation Leader at the Brothers Rome Headquarters and last year Brother Edmund Garvey retired as the Superior General of the Congregation of Christian Brothers and Leader of the European Province of the Congregation. Garvey has been held in high regard in his hometown of Drogheda. In 1997 he was honoured here when the Borough Council awarded him the freedom of Drogheda. Today that honour has become controversial and there are calls now for Garvey to be stripped of the award. A campaign that has run over the course of the last 10 months culminates today when councillors from the Drogheda Municipal District meet to decide whether to rescind the freedom honour or not. The reason Brother Edmund Garvey has become uh, the subject of controversy is because of how a group of men who were sexually abused as children by Christian brothers say that Garvey is responsible for blocking them from seeking redress from his order. These Christian brothers who sexually abused these men as very young boys have been convicted in the criminal courts for their crimes. But the Christian brothers will not stand up and take responsibility for the terrible way children who were placed in their care were instead grossly neglected by the order and under their supervision they were subjected to treatment that no child should ever experience ever. Little boys should not be sexually mauled or raped by grown men. Not ever. But they were. And they were failed by Christian brothers who should have been minding them. Now middle-aged men, these little boys grew up with the scars of this abuse, which still haunts them today. The brothers do not seem to have any empathy for what happened to these human beings and they certainly do not seem to have any sense of responsibility for the way they failed them in the past and for how they continue to fail them today. Christian brothers instead 
are doing everything in their power, it would seem, to prevent the victims of child sexual abuse from gaining justice. The brothers are winning. The victims are losing. This is because of a legal strategy or a loophole in the law that Brother Edmund Garvey introduced in 2017. Garvey has been using this loophole to prevent victims from suing the order. Garvey introduced this strategy. Garvey chose to block victims from achieving natural justice. Garvey oversaw this strategy to thwart victims, up to him retiring last year. The order continues to use Garvey's strategy against victims. Victims are traumatised. Victims are asked councillors in Drogheda here today to stand in solidarity with them by ending how Drogheda is honouring an individual who they say has added to their pain and anguish and strip Brother Edmund Garvey of the freedom of Drogheda. Drogheda is divided to some degree over whether to rescind the freedom of Drogheda from Brother Edmund Garvey. That's why we're here in West Street to hear from local people. We'll begin actually with independent councillor Declan Power. Hi Declan, you're a hard man to track down since uh, this controversy broke out at least. You don't answer your phone, you don't return calls, you don't respond to texts. Why is that? What, what is the problem. I won't be commenting um, on what you want me to comment on until after on, until after Monday, which is a next Monday day at the first board council meeting back in September. All right. Have you Thanks. had have you had legal advice from Kevin Callan? No, I haven't. Um, I'm an independent uh, councillor. I'm a lone wolf, and I'll seek my own advice on, on different situations. Um, and that's the that's the height of it, Mike. Right. And is that why you haven't been returning calls or messages or anything like that? Whose calls have I not been returning? From me. I haven't. I haven't got your number. Have I got your number? I, I don't know. No. If you text, my, my calls are actually diverted from my council phone to my personal phone. Okay. Um, so if I didn't get your text, I apologise for that. But will you vote in line with Kevin Callan? I'll be uh, making my decision on, on Monday what way I'm going to vote. Okay. People would be of the view that you vote in whatever way you're told to by Kevin Callan. That's uh, absolutely untrue. Um, I'll vote the way I want to vote. And that's just going to be the way it is. Okay, so you are going to vote against the victims of child sexual abuse? I'll vote, Michael, the way I'm going to vote on Monday. And you'll, be the, you'll, you'll probably find out on Monday about probably half four or quarter to five when it's on the agenda. Thanks, William. He should be taken off the list. Yeah, why do you think that? Well, what he's trying to do at the moment with, with people, right? He's just making it very, very, very hard for people to get reparation for what happened. I was a Christian brother here in the, in the town. And... Going back and listening to, remembering what happened with one particular brother, and I'll mention him, Brother Bourke. And you know what? He was taken out of up there by two men in white coats. That's how bad he was. Not for sexual abuse, but for physically abusing people. Kids who were afraid to go home and tell their parents in case their parents said, oh, you must have done something wrong. Unfortunately, that was the way of life then. So hopefully, take him off and let them know that people are standing up for what they believe in. Excuse me, do you know anything about this Brother Garvey issue and the freedom of Drogheda? Just what I learned from listening to you this morning. <laughs> what do you think of it? I don't think I'm knowledgeable enough to say, but I do believe if, if I allow him to still have the freedom of Drogheda, is upsetting the people that were abused, genuinely abused. Well, it needs to be taken away from him because he's got away with too much for too long. Okay? And I think it's 
great that you're bringing the issues to light. And I believe that the politicians need to stand up and be counted because that's what actually been paid to do. Oh, I've just read something in the paper about it to say that they were thinking of withdrawing the award of the Freedom of Drawdown. What do you think of that? Maybe the citizens of the town should decide rather than just the councillors. I doubt if that'll happen, though. Excuse me, do you know anything about this Brother Garvey issue and the Freedom of Drawdown? Yeah, he was head of the Christian yeah. Brothers. Yeah. It's to do with uh, abuse. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't involved in that. I wouldn't agree then. If he was involved, yes, but he wasn't involved. Oh, yes, yes. No, no, I, I, like I went to the school and I, I'm, I'm a past pupil. But in the end, I, I honestly do, they should make it easy for people. They just, they just have to make it more, more easy for people. And I, and I don't agree with, that, with the process that they've followed. It's, it, they just, as I say, we all know what's happened. Everybody know, knows what's happened. And I think the, 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 the Drogheda Corporation should do, make the right decision and just rescind. It's, it's, a, it's support for the victims. We have to support them. And, and it's, it's morally incorrect. Sure, Brother Garvey, he, he's, he, he is looking after the organization, but in, in, they don't need to behave in a corporate manner. A lot of these organizations, all of them behave in a corporate manner and protect, protect the organization. But in this case, the victims come first have to come first, organisation comes second. And it's, it's not Brother Garvey's fault. He didn't commit to do anything wrong, but in the end he's, he's behaving like a chief executive, which is not what, what's warranted in this case. I think there may be a little bit too quick in rescinding his, um, whatever hood he had, what honour. Uh, I'm not sure what involvement he had, um, but if he had any involvement, Absolutely, definitely rescind it, you know. Well, his involvement is, from a legal perspective, it's, a, it's blocking the victims from getting yes. redress. Yes, yes. You know, that's, that's right, actually. I'd forgotten about that, yeah. Like, and if, if he was involved in that, definitely it should be rescinded. It's a pity, though, because there's so many good religious people there and it's just another, another one that gives them all a bad name. They're not all bad. It's more good than bad, isn't there? All I know is that he's a wonderful man and has helped people. I think he's a Drogheda man and I don't think he should be. I lived very near where he was born. I hope the people stand up. Loyalty to your own own people. He's retired, I think, is he? There's a legal strategy which is in place which is stopping victims of child sexual abuse getting redress and compensation. And did he put that in place? It doesn't seem fair to me that they should be uh, deprived of their natural justice. That's all I could say about it. They want to take the freedom off him, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, I don't know. Everyone has their own opinion. I don't think he should have it. He shouldn't have the freedom of Drogheda. Like, everything that came out and is out and about about him now like why should he have the freedom of Drogheda like people who are deserving should have it and he's not right. are you surprised the way some of the councillors are making no comment have you heard that does not surprise me with the councillors they're like they will just be the narrative to suit themselves yeah well I think they have a lot to answer for our, um, and yeah um, nothing personal against Brother Edmund or anything like that but um, it's a kind of a bad organisation to be involved in really or even you know I mean, there was a lot of good Christian brothers, and I do remember them, but I do remember one or two bad ones too. So, yeah, now 
nothing personal against anybody, but um, yeah, I think he has to lose it. I don't know, I'm all mixed up. Why didn't he do something when he should have? Yeah, I, think I think he should if there was people, uh, what would you say, abused. Yeah, yeah I think he should. And do you think it would help you to understand it better if the councillors were talking about it? I think so, yeah. They should come out. No. I think fair play has to be given and um, I think the councillors have to stand up and be counted and vote the way they feel and the majority of people feel it should be done and that's the way it should be done. Are you hearing that from people that they believe it should be rescinded? Ah, yeah, the general consensus of people is that it should be rescinded because it's the way that the people have been treated by the organisation, which is the Christian Brothers. Oh, that's terrible, all right. Mm-hmm. I just don't know um, Sorry. how much it's going to help. I'm not a very good at holding on to the money. All right, some mixed opinions there, I think it's true to say, uh, from uh, the people we spoke to on West Street in Drogheda. And thanks to everybody who did speak to us today. Of course, it's down to the councillors in uh, the municipal district of Drogheda. They'll make an historic vote today. The outcome will be known around tea time. Uh, And we'll have much more discussion about this on uh, the programme today. If you'd like to make comment, as always, we'd love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 0419832000. You can text or WhatsApp us on 086-1800-658. Email michael at lmfm.ie. Michael Reed on LMFM. As I said earlier on, councillors in Drogheda will vote today on whether to rescind the freedom of Drogheda honour from Brother Edmund Garvey or not. The reason is because of criticism about a legal strategy that is being used by the Christian Brothers which thwarts victims of child sexual abuse from gaining redress. That strategy was introduced, adopted and overseen by Brother Edmund Garvey Uh, And it's a strategy that Neil Boyle knows more about than most people. Neil was a child victim of uh, sexual abuse by a Christian brother and he's on the phone with us. A a very good morning to you, Neil. Thanks for joining us uh, and thanks for taking uh, this opportunity, if you like, to speak uh, about your own experience. Uh, An experience that goes back some 45, 46 years in time, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> Michael, thank you for giving me some time on your show um, and forgive me for being a bit nervous. Uh, I've never been on radio before. Sure. Uh, yeah, it happened when I was 11 and 12. Uh, the abuse uh, occurred over several months in my final year in junior school um, and I'm, I'm 57 years of age now. Okay. Um, you say um, uh, that uh, as a result of your abuse... Uh, you ended up feeling controlled and captivated uh, and um, that you had to hide what was a painful and a horrible secret. Uh, Explain those feelings to us, if you can. Um, Yeah, I'll try. Uh, I mean, when it's happening, um, you're separated uh, from everybody, including your parents and your friends. Uh, You feel very alone. Uh, just at the time when you really need those people around you, you know. Um, but you don't feel strong enough to ask for help and you're, you're ashamed. So there's the initial detachment that happens. Um, 
that feeling of detachment can continue with some victims, and it did with me, um, and I guess turned into this, uh, the symptoms of PTSD. Um, you, you, you feel detached even from your lovely family, um, and that sort of thing, and, and shame and fear is brought into your thoughts um, on a daily basis. Um, so, yeah, it's very much um, what happens is a very acute short-term thing. Uh, you think it's all going to be over. It continues right throughout your life. You believe that your post-traumatic stress disorder stems from what happened to you 45 years ago as a small 11-year-old boy, do you? Yeah, I, I, I have no doubt. <clears throat> um, I felt very different after that happened to me. Um, I'm not saying I haven't had happy moments in my life. I've had plenty of happy moments in my life. And you get very, very expert at hiding what's really going on. Mm. But as you get older, uh, it seems quite common that you really need to start addressing what's going on in your life. And I sought counselling in 2014. And I've been on a sort of road of healing since then. Okay, so uh, it, it yeah. took until 2014 after this abuse uh, occurred in 1977 stroke 78. Uh, but yeah. uh, in the interim, uh, you saw your abuser uh, in front of the courts uh, and prosecuted, found guilty for the abuse of two other boys. Yeah, um, it wasn't until I was 50 years of age in 2016 uh, that I felt finally able to report this to the Gardaí. Um, and, yeah, um, we took him to criminal court and he was found guilty. And, I, yes, I was the third victim of this same abuser. So th- uh, and that th- was in 2017. So this was a, a serial abuser? Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, you've uh, described what happened to you. Uh, am I right in thinking what happened to you physically Um is almost irrelevant today uh, in comparison to how that impacted on you emotionally. Yeah, I, I mean, the strange thing is that the, the thoughts that you have throughout your life, um, excuse me, <coughs> the, um, the thoughts that you have throughout your life are almost as intrusive, you know, as, as the actions the initial actions that happen to you when you're 11 or 12. Um, so it's, it's very difficult to control those thoughts. Um, as you probably know, PTSD isn't curable, but, but it is thankfully treatable. Um, so um, I'm sure other victims, just like myself, are trying hard to you know think of uh, techniques and seek counselling from experts. Uh, but yeah, you, um, I would say that the culmination of all of the pain throughout the life is probably worse than what, what actually happened, ironically, yeah. You'd have had a, a different life, I gather, from what you're saying, uh, had you not endured the abuse at the hands of one man, a, a Christian brother. H- having said that, uh, you did see justice in that man uh, being found guilty of your abuse and for the third time uh, he was convicted. Uh, but... In order to get full justice, uh, there is the question, Mark, about why this was allowed to happen. Uh, why did someone have access in such a way to such a young child at a time when they were in the care 
of the Christian Brothers, a, an order that was charged with providing education and indeed caring for the children who were in schools at the time. Your conviction was in 2017. Very unfortunately for you, Neil, that coincided with a Supreme Court ruling and the decision then of the Christian Brothers, a decision that was made by Brother Edmund Garvey to adopt a, a legal strategy. Uh, what did that mean for you? Um, what it meant was, um, I guess at the beginning of my journey, I started on a civil case directly after we completed the criminal case. And it has, as you say, taken until very recently. It's only been settled in April of this year. It's taken six years. They've thrown every single legal obstacle that they could, uh, whether it is delay tactics in not uh, responding to solicitors' um, uh, correspondence um, and using the, the legal uh, and legal technical lo- loophole that, that was introduced, as you say, in 2017, um, but it's my belief and the belief of many others that just because the loophole is there, it doesn't mean they should use it. It's not a Christian strategy to use to, to victims. And so it, it basically slowed down the whole process. Instead of uh, dealing with one legal nominee that they really should put forward as an accountable organization, um, the only strategy we have left is to serve individual and separate summonses to all living uh, Christian brothers that were alive during the time of my abuse. And that that amounted to 162 um, living Christian brothers um, all you, around the world. You, you sued 162 individual Christian brothers. Yeah, it's. I mean, it sounds so strange, doesn't it? Why, um, why, why did you I, do that? I, I thought you were abused by one man who was a Christian brother. Why did you sue 162 Christian brothers? Well, what we found out through the civil case journey was that because we couldn't um, correspond with one legal representative of the Christian Brothers because um, Edmund Garvey and the organisation themselves were using this loophole, um, it's not as simple. It's not as simple as that. The only thing that you can do, and I, I can assure you, it didn't feel very good. Um, as, as a victim, you feel guilty um, being involved in serving these legal summonses against what are most likely perfectly innocent old men, uh, many of them living in care homes. Um, well, they were certainly innocent in terms of your abuse, weren't they? Uh, I mean, uh, you're talking about yeah. 162 people who had nothing to do with the abuse of this man who was convicted for his dreadful crime, unspeakable crime on an 11-year-old child. Uh, but 162 Christian... How did you go about suing 162 Christian brothers? Uh, because we're talking a- about people who were working or serving as Christian brothers, whatever the term is, back in 1977, 78, 45, 46 years ago. Where do you start? Um, well, I, I have learned... I'm no legal expert, but I have learned a little bit about the process through my very committed... Um, solicitor. Um, it's a very complicated process. Um, she initially had to apply uh, to the High Court for something called discovery, and that's in order to get a hold of the 162 names in the first place. Um, and this takes months. Um, and then uh, she had to apply a separate uh, court order to the High Court to add all of these 162 
uh, Christian brothers to the list of defendants. And, and it gets even more complicated than that. There's a separate application to the High Court to add the non-residents of Ireland to the list of defendants. Um, and between all the delays, um, this has gone on for six years. And I, I, I can only guess that they've, they're doing this to make it as difficult as possible, as expensive as possible. I was just uh, thinking that must have been very there. expensive, all right. It must have cost you a fortune. Um, well, I believe it cost in the order of £20,000 My God. Uh, to serve those. Um, and uh, and for me, what? I had a very committed uh, And for what? Innocent people who, who did nothing wrong as far as you're concerned. But the only way uh, that you could seek redress from the order for the negligence in what should have been a duty of care was to sue 162 innocent men. And the reason I mean, for that is this legal strategy, this loophole that Brother Edmund Garvey uh, adopted and introduced. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, to quote a, le- a legal expert, the retired Chief Justice Frank Clark, he wants that law to change. And so do I, and so do many other victims. And I think when the normal people in the street hear about this, you know, you, you would think that common sense would prevail and a little bit of compassion as well. Uh, it's a ridiculous and very unchristian uh, system that's operating now for victims. And in, in fact, it's causing extended trauma, you know, all through this time. You don't really, your healing goes on hold, you know. Uh, and I know because I can tell you uh, that I feel very, very different now. I feel a heck of a lot lighter now that my civil case uh, is completed. You're not cured, uh, but at least I don't need to deal with these negative uh, legal obstacles anymore. Okay, today I think is a a big day for you, Neil, and other victims. And you've written to the councillors in Drogheda who get to vote on this issue as to whether to rescind the freedom of uh, Drogheda from Brother Edmund Garvey. Uh, You're hoping that they will decide to do that, obviously. Yeah, I've had a couple of nice responses from two of the councillors. I have indeed, just like many other victims and campaigners, emailed all 10 councillors, just with the same uh, document that I sent you, Michael, um, asking them to to really sit down and consider what they're doing here um, and to realise the effect that it has on people. Okay. Neil, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us uh, and... uh for talking uh, about your experience at the hands of uh, the Christian Brothers. Uh, Most informative, especially on the day that's in it, and uh, nice to uh, talk to you as well. And thanks for joining us, as I say. That's uh, Neil Boyle, who was a child victim, 11 years of age, of sexual abuse by a Christian brother. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now we're going to talk about uh, the traffic in Drogheda. It's chocker block out there. Whether that's a surprise or not, I don't know. Frank Godfrey, former mayor of Drogheda, is on the line. Good morning, Frank. Before we talk about the traffic, uh, can I just ask you about this vote today? Because you'd have been a member of the Borough Council in Drogheda back in 1997 and one of the council members who would have voted to have given the freedom of Drogheda honour to Brother Edmund Garvey. What do you think of uh, the motion today to rescind that honour? Well, I, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that it has come to this situation because the freedom of the town 
uh, is usually bestowed on uh, people um, that did great uh, work in, in the community and further afield. I know when I was mayor, I gave the freedom to uh, Mary Robson, the first lady president, and John Hume. And it's a, it's a great honour. And um, uh, the situation now that has arisen uh, is, is unfortunate. And um, a decision has to be made on it, uh, on something that happened uh, 30 years ago. And in all good faith, uh, it was given to the freedom to uh, the Christian brothers at that time, because the Christian brothers, um, the majority of them, uh, did great work in the, the town of Drada and the lay teachers, which are many of them around Drada today. And, uh, of course, across Ireland and all religious groups, uh, they've done tremendous work. But th- there was issues and problems with a number of them and uh, th- that's where the issue is at, at the moment and uh, the, the, the issue that's for the council uh, to, to this evening. Okay, would you support the calls to rescind the honour or not? Well, look, look. It, uh, as I said, it's a great honour yep. and it's something that nobody would like it to be taken away but even at this late stage um, I would say probably the best thing would be to um, hand the freedom uh, uh, by the brothers uh, uh, back uh, because uh, that would resolve the, the, the issue at this late uh, stage. You know, um, it, it's, it's not an easy call uh, because um, it was mentioned about the Garvey family, who I know quite well, and I find them a very honourable family uh, that give um, tremendous employment to the town of Drada. They're very decent people, and uh, they're caught up in the controversy uh, as uh, Brother Garvey was the head of the order at, at the time that the freedom was bestowed. In all good faith, as I said, mm. the, the, the honour was bestowed on, on um, uh, because he was a native of the town. Okay. So it was all done. But as a gesture of goodwill, I think at this stage, you know, because of, um, you know, in support of victims and those who have been uh, hurt by this, uh, you can understand um, that something, uh, you know, and, and rather it has um, has always been a good uh, to uh, in in the line of freedom. They've given the freedom to many uh, great people over the years. But it's sad that this controversy and all uh, this situation has arisen. So uh, something uh, had to give, and uh, now is at this late. Our, I suppose, um, the only way as a gesture of goodwill uh, that it would be handed back because of uh, the horse that it has to the victims of, okay. of sexual abuse. All right, Frank, thanks uh, for that. Uh, I do want to talk to you about the traffic. It's chocker block. That's uh, what you and many others were predicting when the schools came back. They're all back. Uh, all the kids are back today. And that's exactly uh, the result of closing the Obelisk Bridge without yeah, yeah. alternatives. And uh, you've uh, been speaking to people. You met with people last week. People are, are, are paying uh, hand over fist uh, uh, in terms of uh, the cost of tolls uh, trying to find alternative routes. Yes, go, uh, going to and from the tolls, um, Mike, you're absolutely correct. Uh, uh, people are very, very angry. It's going to be very costly. You're talking to one lady uh, that travels to Monaghan and uh, she will have to pay something like in the region of 800 to 1,000 euro to, to cross uh, the tolls um, this year uh, before the bridge is um, um, completed. And so there are a lot of other uh, people. Uh, I was talking to another taxi man that uh, actually goes to and from 
with people with disabilities, that's going to cost him every week, I think, another €47 Euros going across. And he lives just very, very close to uh, the uh, Boynoblis Bridge. So um, there's so, so many issues out there. The, 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 the taxi men, the emergency service, the ambulance. I had was a, a, a lot of issues around where um, a fire tender on the on the um, on the uh, Rathbullen Road uh, uh, couldn't get away quick enough. And you know, uh, we uh, where the location of the Lourdes Hospital and all that of emergency services with traffic delays and 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 tailbacks and that. It rather is 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 it is an emergency mm. the, the traffic at the moment. And speaking of emergencies, uh, because at your meeting you heard from a lot of people who are not happy about what this is costing them now, but you also heard concerns from the Boyne Rescue and Recovery Service. Oh yeah, indeed. Uh, to get from A to B now uh, on on the river. And uh, before, uh, when the, there was another bridge uh, uh, where there was up for construction, the little humpback bridge there at the entrance to the old bridge estate there. In fact, they had the, the canal closed off at that stage for that walk, and that lasted some months, and it wasn't a great job either. But for the emergency services, again, uh, there is there would be an issue on the river and all that, but there's been no real thought on all of this. And, you know, um, it's an awful pity that Loud County Council didn't... Um, correspond with with local people uh, and and uh, give them a permit as well a questionnaire six months before the bridge closed uh, um talking to local people there's nothing more better to get information and the people who know the area best and know draw the best with regards to talk to traffic and that is to talk to the people on the ground and Lord county council needs to 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 get uh, um active in this area of communicating with people and uh, a permit and the air code would have been a resolution for all uh, for the uh, people who travel to mm. and from uh, the Obelisk Bridge every day and just thousands goes across that oh, bridge. thousands and I think by the end of last week people would have been very concerned about the schools reopening today all the kids coming back that is yeah. uh, and I think by the end of this week looking at the traffic outside yeah. this morning uh, people are going to be angry uh, you have another meeting uh, to take place this week in the D Hotel again well, it's not this week. It's it's on the 18th. But I just want to say mm. before that, that's Monday the 18th, and we would hope that uh, we would have a good crowd uh, because Drada, we need to stand up for Drada. People need to get active. Yep. You know, the time for complaining and moaning in Drada needs to end. We need to organise ourselves here. OK, that's two, two weeks say, today. I beg your pardon. That's 8 o'clock, D Hotel. I'm sure we'll speak to you before then, Frank, uh, but I have to leave it there for the moment. Two weeks today, 8 o'clock, D Hotel. Thank you very much indeed, Frank Godfrey, former Mayor of Drogheda. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. A lot of comments coming to us uh, today. One uh, from somebody who has emailed us and asked us uh, to withhold uh, their name. They say, I received all of my education with uh, the Christian Brothers in Drogheda and I can honestly say all of my memories of it are good ones. If Brother Garvey was the superior of uh, the Christian Brothers and was responsible for the introduction of this legal strategy, he should resign, and if he does not, then the freedom of Drogheda should be rescinded. Thank you uh, for that. Uh, Jackie Taff in touch with us again. Thanks, as always, uh, Jackie, for your message. She says one of uh, uh, the best ways uh, to describe uh, how victims of child sexual abuse feel is in a quote uh, that Jackie has sent on to us, and she says she sees herself in this quote, and I'll read it to you. Trauma is not 
the bad things that happen to you, but what happens inside you as a result of what happened to you. Trauma is that scarring that makes you less flexible, more rigid, less feelings and more defended. Trauma fundamentally means a disconnection from self. Why do we get disconnected? Because it is too painful to be ourselves. Thanks, as I say, Jackie, for sending that to us, as always. We uh, another uh, message from Anne through WhatsApp, who says, Why was that man given the freedom of Drogheda? It should be removed without any more debate. Uh, WhatsApp message from Ellen says, For God's sake, Michael, these children were abused by Christian brothers. The freedom of Drogheda should be taken away from that man, and the councillors should all be removed if they vote to keep it. Thank you, Ellen. Uh, Another WhatsApp uh, message uh, from somebody who said uh, they wanted to hear a straight answer from Frank Godfrey and uh, somebody, PJ, uh, then also uh, complaining uh, about uh, Frank Godfrey saying uh, there was nothing clear in his answers. Thanks uh, for that. Uh, And on the subject of the Obelisk Bridge and all that traffic out there today, James Andrade says uh, there should be a a Bailey Bridge. Is that what it's called? I I know it's a, a an alternative but he also talks about this vote today in his messages James says it's not a personal vote it's a vote for the people of the town failing to do this to do this is condoning child abuse which makes you no better than the abuser thank you very much uh, James uh, for uh, your text uh, we've uh, somebody else texting us saying it's absolutely heartbreaking listening uh, to that man's interview this is uh, Neil Boyle who is speaking uh, to us about the abuse and indeed six years of having to go through the courts and the legal system trying to sue 162 people who had nothing to do with his abuse individually in every corner of the world because of this strategy. Uh, Our caller says it was heartbreaking listening to all that. I wish him and all of uh, the victims of abuse well. I watched Archbishop Martin's interview on RTE last night and it was equally heartbreaking to see him emotional and talking about the pain of victims of abuse. He truly is a man of God. Uh, John says, Michael, the word Christian should be withdrawn from the name Christian Brothers. Thank you as well for that. Uh, Margaret uh, wants to know why this man has the freedom of children, uh, given the impact that it is having on innocent children who were uh, abused by members of the Christian Brothers. Tom in touch with us too. He says, Michael, I hope you read this out. Your opening speech was commendable. This work you're doing is great. Highlighting this about Brother Garvey. My small point is It's a pity someone didn't speak up as strong as this when Michael Shine was doing what he was doing. He tried to block his victims at every junction and he did with the help of the state for more than 20 years. Uh, And by the way, uh, the freedom should be rescinded, says Tom. Thanks, Tom, uh, for making contact. I uh, hope people uh, will remember uh, the coverage that we gave uh, to the complaints about Michael Shine on this programme. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, they were, uh, as Tom would believe, uh, strong enough, uh, but I certainly hope uh, they'd be remembered that way. Thank you indeed, Tom, for your message. Thanks to everybody who's been in touch with us so far today. If you'd like to make a comment on the programme, let me remind you that, as always, we'd love to hear from you. And you can do so by ringing us. Our telephone number is 0419832000. Text or WhatsApp 086-1800-658. Email michael at lmfm.ie. 
Well, as you've been hearing, a group of men who were sexually abused as young boys by Christian Brothers have been campaigning over the last 10 months for the Freedom of Drogheda Award to Brother Edmund Garvey to be rescinded. Ahead of today's historical vote, let's look back at some memorable moments from how this story has been covered on this programme. That's it. Mm. You know, you, you have it. They call about your, your inner child. There's a child inside you there and that child is, is always there and that child makes decisions through fear. You know, you, you, you might be fearful sometimes. You have maybe a low self-esteem. Why did you? The child um, wants to be wants to hide away, doesn't mm. want to speak to people, and it doesn't put themselves forward for, for certain uh, for certain jobs or for certain roles. And it's always there on the surface. Um, you're you're not physically di- um, disabled or physically you don't have a disability. So you look you look okay, but it's it's mm. there inside you. When people um, people carry that. And, and survivors is a word that I, it's, it's a loose, I, it's not a word that I, I use really because it, you don't, are you a survivor? I don't know, you, you, you work through it. I'm a victim, I don't really like that word either, but probably best explains what the word I, I use. Sometimes I use the term, someone who's experienced abuse. I think that's probably a better way of, um, of, of, of the term. And that's probably going to come in in the next few years. It's probably going to be, mm. to be used more, but it's a... Uh, when I suppose mm. these are a Christian organisation as well, the Christian Brothers, and yeah. I suppose that's it's doubly hard. I suppose mm. when people reach out, mm. which reach out to them, they would expect some Christian yeah. charity. The Christian Brothers, we would call on them obviously to do the right thing, and um, I guess in in our experience, where institutions have turned a blind blind eye to abuse, um, if they haven't done some serious kind of work on themselves to figure out why that happened then we often come across a situation where they're still, as we know, trying to protect the organisation as they did back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And um, that seems to be the case here. And as as I mentioned earlier, it it really seems to be like an approach that you would see from a corporate multinational company, not a religious organisation who should be concerned with morals and ethics. It is effective in meaning that they can hide longer. And as you say, it's even hard on their own members, but it means that they won't have orders made against them. Uh, but, but why they are denying that is very, very hard to see. So at that level, uh, there is, um, there, you, you would love to hear from them what, value, what values they are adopting, how this is consistent with their order, that they are doing this um, and we don't know if there is a rational explanation for it because they haven't uh, they haven't been available to speak about it and they haven't spoken about they haven't even told the court they're not, it's not mm. pastoral like you imagine yeah. I disclosed some of the abuse that they talked about on prime time last night yeah. my abuse um, I wrote mm. to them that incident yeah, uh, I wrote about going around the, going around the yeah, lamp I, I, I think everybody was very disturbed by yeah. that that was really appalling. I mean, that was treating you like an object rather than a human yeah, being, yeah. And at let, the alone, time, let alone a child, yeah. an innocent child. At the time um, when I had my clothes on mm. at the start, um, they didn't... Um, they didn't... Uh, people were telling me, these guys were telling me I was a lovely fella and, it was, and you want to be... People are telling you you're gorgeous mm. and you're walking around a lamp and, and it was a nice feeling, you know, you're great and they were gentle and all this type of, you know. And then as my clothes started coming off and I realised, then it was really, and I only realised that was abuse a few, a few, five or six years ago, around the time the Pope was coming, I started to think back and I only realised that. But I brought that to the attention of 
the reason I never said it to the brothers for 20 years is that the last time I met the brothers 20 year, 25 years ago, I was aggressively thrown out of an office. And I want to say to the, to the people in Drogheda as well about Brother Garvey um, is not blameless in this. His actions have been wrong on every level. He presided, he has presided over and has authority over an appalling litigation strategy that the brothers, he made this choice in the full knowledge of the consequences that victims have, victims that have been raped and tortured. And his, his actions have, have added harm and trauma to these people. And he was asked to pull back by victims. He was asked to pull back by a government minister. And he didn't. He, didn't dis- he disregarded the victims the exact same way as the councillors are disregarding them. And I want to say to the people of Drada, if you're listening, can you please contact these councillors and tell them what you think? Do you, is this another Michael Neary? Are we going to be treated the same as, as Neary's uh, victims? And we're definitely being treated the same way as uh, Michael Shine's victims. You need to let Grace come on here and talk to us and talk to us and talk to the councillors and talk to the people of Drada. I'm not, it's just to say, uh, the victims are begging you, begging the people of Drada to help them, begging. They are begging the councillors in Drada to help them to understand. Right now, each of us as individuals, to, to, to say to ourselves, you know, this is the question, is it right that we defend a legal strategy that has been adopted by an individual that's blocking survivors of child it, it is legally sound if you look at the technicality of Irish law. But the question is, does it actually allow people to access justice? Because we have lots of rules and regulations in the law. And over all of that, we have a constitution and we have international human rights treaties that Ireland has willingly entered into, which recognise that everybody in the land should have access to justice. If victims are telling you, councillors, that this is important for them, that they now need you as their elected representatives as, as leaders of communities to stand with them and to condemn this strategy that's been adopted by the Christian Brothers, initiated by Edmund Garvey. And then a meaningful way that you could do that is to remove the freedom of the city of Drogheda from him. An obscene and apparent decision to prevent this from having raped, sexually abused. Children. These are children we're talking about. They might be adults now. These are children. You know, imagine a child being raped. And imagine defending the decision that would have struck that child in adulthood gaining justice. And I'm heartbroken about it. We met the victim and found exactly what they wanted. I immediately contacted Brother Garvey 
and made uh, and made a very detailed submission to him in relation to uh, this particular issue, and also as an advocate for for uh, for people uh, for victims of child sexual abuse. And I also point out very very clearly in my letter on the 5th of March 2020 that what he was doing is contrary to the earlier uh, decisions of the Congregation of the Christian Brothers to meet such claims in a candid and conciliatory and fair manner. I also said to him that I was prepared to discuss the issue with him privately to see can we move it on. The second thing I did was I also contacted him again on the 21st of April and I asked him to reconsider the approach being taken by you on behalf of the congregation of the Christian Brothers in going to such lengths to defend, uh, to, to, to make life very, very difficult for the victims. Any organisation, any group that would intentionally form themselves into a legal entity that would prevent people who are entitled to and should absolutely guess redress be it victims of child sexual abuse or any other type of victim or survivor it is absolutely wrong and should not be the case now i know the law reform commission um, which is chaired by frank clark is looking at this particular structure and this particular issue at the moment um, and he will have to make recommendations while the law reform commission does not fall under my remit it's under taoiseach's uh, my understanding is any changes to legislation would potentially be through the department of business and enterprise um, because of what we're talking about here in terms of the legal structures but I would absolutely support that change. I think any group or organisation that would intentionally change their legal structure to prevent victims from getting redress is absolutely wrong and should not be the case. The Cabinet Minister wrote to Brother Garvey two or three years ago um, to ask him to, to, to look at this issue as well and he didn't, he just referred it on to his solicitor. school explained to me, and the Archbishop's house explained to me, that the brothers told them that I'd made an anonymous complaint and I didn't want to come forward when I'd actually written the brothers a letter. And I met them with my wife. Mm. There was nothing anonymous mm. about it. So mm. when I went to the brothers after he was convicted, I went to the head guy in Ireland and I asked him, what, um, why did you do that? Why did you guys do that? And he didn't want to talk and he just got aggressive. Not just dignity for patients, not just the Christian Brothers groupings, all the hundreds of victims throughout this country would all be thinking the same way. We have to dispel this concept of our poor Joe or poor Tom or poor father this or poor doctor the other. Uh, so look, it's time gone by. We have to deal with this issue. Get it out there, get it sorted, give closure to the victims. We're at a point where the victims are having to plead to local councillors and politicians and elected leaders to stand in solidarity with them and to condemn actions um, by religious leaders who are using the law, I think frankly in an outrageous and disgusting way, to subvert justice and to prevent victims from uh, being able to hold to account those who were responsible for their abuse, which is a really, really critical part of being able to move past those experiences and move fully towards healing. I just, I just think it's staggering at this stage that that's, that's necessary. The Corporation of Christian Brothers 
for want of a better word, have the power again. And, and no doubt that will call for further re-traumatisation to people. Access to justice is like access to the Ritz Hotel. Of course, it's open to everybody, provided you have the money and the power to get into it. It's because there is this uh, legal problem with what are called unincorporated associations. So that could be kind of a residence association or a GA club or, or indeed a religious order. Um, and they're difficult to sue and so the Law Reform Commission is looking at this issue at the moment and um, indeed the, the, the chair or uh, the president of the Law Reform Commission, um, the former Chief Justice Frank Clark, has commented on um, on the Christian Brothers uh, and the uh, use of this legal strategy and made, made it very clear, you know, that although it's legal for the, for the congregation to use this strategy, it's a choice it makes. It's a choice it makes, and it does make very uh, make things very difficult for plaintiffs, and it raises very serious constitutional issues about people's right to have access to justice. It is staggering to me that uh, anybody would refuse to stand in solidarity with victims of the kind of abuse that you've just described. And to be clear, when somebody is held accountable in the criminal courts, the state is holding them to account. The state has prosecuted that person. The facts of those cases are now legal fact. Those violations, that abuse has been established as a matter of law. But the criminal uh, um, process will only hold to account individual perpetrators. It will never hold to account those who, through acts of negligence, and very often calculated, willful, deliberate negligence, allowed that abuse to happen, who facilitated it, who covered it up, who permitted it, knowingly permitted abusers to maintain positions where they would continue to abuse time and time and time and time again. We've had a number of people uh, who've refused to, to make any comment on this. We contacted Kevin Callan, an independent councillor, about this. He said no comment. We contacted Declan Power, an independent councillor, about this. He said no comment. We contacted James Byrne, a Fianna Fáil councillor, about this. He said no comment. Uh, up to now, we haven't been able to make contact uh, with uh, the Mayor of Fianna Gael, councillor Eileen Tully, actually had um, the honour of uh, speaking to uh, the mayor yesterday, kind of, <laughs> um, I got to say. Hello, uh, Mayor. Um, this is Michael Reid from LMFM. Uh, I've been trying to contact you because we wanted to speak to you. And she said, and I quote, Is this about the freedom of Drogheda? Uh, no comment. No comment. No comment. I was skint the last time I said something about that. Bye! And she hung up. opinion is just that until you get in front of a judge and then that judge will tell you what the actual opinion is in terms of truth so I mean you know it's very easy for and barristers and solicitors mm. will always tell you this is okay. the this is the way it could possibly be but they'll never be, tell you without definite I'd be worried but, PO just I feel sort of yeah. obligated to say it to you because I'd be worried about how what you've just said is going to be received um, 
I have to ask you, are you saying that uh, you're interested in the bank balance of Louth County Council? No, no. Uh, I'm not interested in the bank balance of Louth County Council at all. I mean, what I'm interested in is But you're is worried justice. that Louth County Council will be sued. No, 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 no. And that's the way no. that will be heard. Yeah, no, I'm The not. victims are telling you yeah. that, they, they, that not only were they uh, defiled as children, mm-hmm. but they're enduring another type of abuse because justice is being delayed, if not denied, and in many cases denied, and they're asking for help. Yeah. There is an aspect of the fact that Lowe County Council could be sued. That isn't the issue for me. I mean, that was a decision that was taken by the Chief Executive in terms of uh, not allowing the motions to go forward in the first place. So I'm only pointing out the fact that there was legal opinion given in that regard. The issue for me is, you know, taking going back to the very beginning of our conversation making a moral judgement not only a moral judgement but a significant negative judgement on the individual when I don't know the full motivations behind the reasons why this this legal strategy no no No, hang on a second no 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 no, no, I don't I don't that's your opinion you're saying that you believe that that's his the legal opinion is being pursued a legal strategy is being pursued because it's just to stop paying out victims are yeah. you saying then that brother Edmund Garvey has callous disregard for the victims I can only make a judgement based on what I feel is right for the victims and at this stage I'm given my support and given my compassion to the victims and I, I will be supporting this vote on Monday regardless of what other councillors are doing and your Sinn Féin colleague Tom Cunningham likewise my, my, my party colleague Tom Cunningham will be supporting it as well yes I got their first victim, Christian brother, convicted and he was convicted in 98 and we had to get him into court in 97 around that time and the brothers were protecting that brother. The organisation that brother Edmund Garvey was in charge of was protecting that brother. They were not cooperating with the guards and they protected him and they left him in a school for three years in charge of 400 children. Well, if the Christian brothers had any interest in, in simple Christian values like justice and love and compassion and, and accountability and truth, and then they wouldn't be adopting this legal strategy. The most deleterious effect of child sexual abuse is the psychological effect, the sense of guilt, the sense that, oh, I must have been doing something to have attracted attention. These are the, the issues that are planted in children's minds and it takes a huge amount of counselling um, in many cases to, for them to come to terms with that, to now find themselves being fought tooth and nail through the law courts by the very people who were supposed to have educated them to be Christian men. That has to be causing them psychological setbacks. I have no doubt of that whatsoever. So they think that the people in draw are they happy enough that their that their public reps won't speak won't speak to um won't speak to victims. Is that the way they want to be represented? The, the strategy they've adopted in the court has been uh, described by uh, the council for one man taking a case mm. against the the, the uh the order as a despicable uh, strategy designed with one with one purpose only and that purpose is to make it so difficult for uh, drawn out and expensive for victims of child abuse to take a case against the order that people will feel disinclined to do it 
or inclined to settle the cases cheaply so as not to be put through the, the difficulties and the very, very substantial difficulties. We haven't been welcomed. The door has been shut on our faces. The people I represent are VIPs. They're VIPs and they're being treated disgracefully. Disgracefully. Probably no 10 councillors in uh, the Drogheda Municipal District will vote on rescinding Brother Edmund Garvey's freedom of Drogheda this evening. And Damien O'Farrell will join us on the programme today just before 11 o'clock if you would like to hear more. Michael Reed on LMFM. Well, as you've been hearing in the bulletins uh, this morning, the Justice for the Forgotten Group, along with uh, the Pat Finucane Centre, say they're deeply concerned at the failure of Angarda Shiakana to provide certain information and material to the Police Ombudsman of Northern Ireland. Let's speak to Margaret Irwin, Coordinator for Justice for the Forgotten. A very good morning to you, Margaret, and thanks indeed for joining us on the programme. Uh, you're good very morning, concerned. Welcome. Thank you. You're welcome and thank you for joining us. You're very concerned, as you say in your statement, for this failure to cooperate with uh, the police ombudsman in in the north and a failure to provide information that was asked for six years ago, was it? That's right. Yes, indeed, Michael. Sad to say. Um, We were very reluctant to go public on this because we really hoped it could be resolved. Uh, We just found out about this, I think it was the 19th of June or thereabouts, uh, when we were informed by the SIO on the Glenan cases that they had received nothing on the Dublin Monaghan bombings. Now, they they did receive material on the other relevant cases in the Republic, but nothing on Dublin Monaghan. Also, they have received no intelligence information on any of the attacks Uh, south of the border. So um, we immediately um, set about contacting the Garda Commissioner, which we did initially on the 22nd of June, and uh, we just got a holding reply that it was being uh, checked, it was being worked on, and then nothing. We emailed again in July with the same response. We emailed yet again on the 1st of August, no response at all. And then um, we, um, we emailed the Minister for Justice, I think about two weeks ago, to let her know in case she didn't already know that this was the situation. And uh, we appealed to her to intervene. So did did we, you have a response from Helen McEntee? Just, just an acknowledgement uh, of, of receipt of our email. And then we got a rather bizarre uh, reply from the Garda Commissioner to say that uh, if we want an update on these cases, we should contact the police ombudsman, which really didn't make much sense. OK, but not as much as an acknowledgement from the Commissioner or from Phoenix Park up to that point, despite all of your correspondence, which would seem pretty poor treatment of a group such as Justice for the Forgotten, to my mind. 
but you're not the only people who've been looking for information because the police ombudsman, you say in your statement, has had regular contact with the guards and appealing for this information mm-hmm. to be made available. But you say that those appeals fell on deaf ears. Well, that's right. I mean, as you can see from the press statement, uh, the requests were sent um, to the guard and guard in August of 2017. So that's six years ago. And uh, while, as I say, they have received information on other cases, they have received information on the Dundalk bombing, they have received information on the Castle Blaney bombing, and they have received information on the murder of John Francis Green. They, um, they have received nothing on Dublin Monaghan. Not a thing. We weren't aware of that, uh, that uh, to the extent of it, certainly, until we were informed um, on a Zoom call with the police ombudsman's office. Uh, and that, as I say, was in the middle of June. Right. And I, I take it that uh, Angarda Shia has no end to the amount of files that they have on the Dublin Monaghan bombings. Well, we don't know. Um, we know they certainly have files. And uh, uh, so, you know, it's it's just incredible that the, that the families are being let down again. And it's very ironic that um, Doyle Aaron passed three unanimous motions uh, over the years uh, calling on the British to make available the documents they had withheld from Justice Barron's inquiry. Mm. And now we find that the shoe is very much on the other foot and uh, that uh, our own Garda Siakona are not cooperating uh, with the police ombudsman. Okay. Uh, Are you surprised that that's under the stewardship of Drew Harris? Uh, uh, And I don't mean to personalise this, uh, but the reason I ask you that is Drew Harris, I'd have thought, would have known uh, as much, if not more, about this than most people, given his uh, history uh, and indeed his time with the PSNI. Well, yes, you're probably right again, as you say, and I agree with you. I don't want to personalise this either, uh, but uh, certainly uh, that has been the case. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it seems to be a culture uh, that there is such secrecy, uh, you know, on a case that happened almost 50 years ago. Mm. The fiftieth anniversary. Uh, they're still, they're still uh, very reluctant to make information available. Right, the fiftieth anniversary on the seventeenth of May. Next year, uh, yes. Uh, it really is hard to believe uh, that it's 50 years ago at this stage. Uh, yeah. Credit to you and the rest of the group for keeping it uh, on everybody's radar as such. Uh, but there is a real concern that you and the other families have in relation to the Gardaí giving information. If it doesn't happen before the 1st of May, uh, this could really scupper the whole investigation. Well, it could. I mean, the the reason we are we, we feel it's absolutely necessary to go public on it now is because of the um, British government's Northern Ireland Troubles Legacy and Reconciliation Bill. And uh, as you probably are aware, it's going to be uh, debated in the House of Commons tomorrow. And uh, it, it could uh, become, um, it could be legislation, the legislation could be implemented this week. Now, I know they have to also get royal assent before it becomes law, but uh, it could have moved on 
quite considerably by the end of this week and just be ready to to, to um, be granted uh, royal assent, which, of course, uh, as we know, is probably going to be just... Uh, uh, you know, uh, a stamping exercise, and and that would be that will be it. We don't know how soon that will happen, but um, you know the the um, the the um, <clears throat> the guard. Um, sorry, the police ombudsman's office, uh, you know, flagged it with us because of their concern. They want to have the all of these cases, <clears throat> north and south of the border, all the Glen Ann series of cases, they hope to have them all completed by next March. Now, that's at the moment only six months away. And if they haven't got anything at all on the greatest loss of life in the conflict, the Dublin Monaghan bombings, uh, if they don't get that very shortly, you know, they're not going to be in a position, the police ombudsman is not going to be in a position to publish a report on the Dublin Monaghan bombings. And then they won't be allowed to publish because the guillotine will come down on the 1st of May 2024, as you're probably aware, yeah. in relation to this new bill. Okay. We live there for the moment. The clock is ticking in the meantime. Margaret, thank you for joining us on the programme today. Thank you very much, Michael. Margaret Irwin is uh, the coordinator for the Justice for the Forgotten Group. Michael Reed on LMFM. I just want to say thanks uh, to Bridie texting us saying, good morning, Mike. Just want to say it's utterly heartbreaking listening to your programme. It would bring tears to your eyes. Hopefully justice will be done for these people and they will have peace and be able to get on with their lives. Thanks uh, for that, Bridie. Somebody else uh, WhatsApping us saying, great programme, Michael. What's wrong with the people of Drogheda? I thought the switchboard would be jammed with messages with support for the victims. Thank you indeed for that. Uh, we've had quite a, a lot of calls and text messages, uh, but not everybody feels that way. Liz WhatsApping saying, Brother Garvey is getting a roasting from LMFM without any right of reply. He was never an abuser and was obviously acting on legal advice. Losing the freedom of Drogheda won't make any difference to him. He doesn't live here. And then we'd uh, Tony and Loud saying, Michael, for a number of weeks you've concentrated on this matter with the Christian Brothers and I understand it's an important topic. You are a general public information broadcasting programme, but there are other matters in the world uh, and you're almost obsessed with this matter. It's disturbing and it almost leads one to ask if you suffered anything in this area yourself. Strange question uh, to ask, Tony. Uh, but in any, any event, he says, it is time to move on. The councillors will do what they will do and the voters of Drogheda will know about it. It's almost depressing every morning to be confronted with this topic and quite obviously you have complete control of the programme to force this issue, which is alarming, says Tony. I'm sorry that you feel that way, Tony. We've got a, another few minutes of it now. Damien O'Farrell is with us. Uh, good morning to you, Damien, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us. I think people thought Neil Boyle's story this morning was just remarkable. Six years trying to sue 162 individuals who had nothing to do with abusing him. Uh, But that's the upshot of this legal strategy. That's what you've been explaining to us on the programme for months. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I I want to talk to you about Neil Boyle and his dealings with Brother Garvey. Um, But first of all, could I just shout out, this is uh, an All-Ireland, 32 county, and there's people getting on from Scotland as well, because Brother Garvey was the the leader over there as well um, in the UK and in Europe. But this Dromore group, could I just give a big shout out to them? They're from Northern Ireland. They have issues with uh, Father Malachy Finnegan and uh, and their dealings with uh, Archbishop Eamon Martin. So the the support they've given us is unbelievable. 
But we were coming back to Neil Boyle. That's the man that, that we were talking about earlier. That's the victim. Um, Vinian McGrath, the minister, wrote to Edmund Garvey about about Neil in 2020. Neil was the victim. Um, he didn't give... When you're a minister, when you write a letter, you can't put the personal details on the letter because uh, it'd be open to public scrutiny. So he, he mentioned that there was a victim and he said to Brother Garvey, I have the details and all. Like, maybe we can get together, we can intervene. And that, that was the pl plan. And the letter that uh, he got back from Brother Garvey was that, uh, I'm sending that on to my solicitor for advice. So a few weeks later, um, Minister McGrath wrote back to Brother Garvey, said, have you got your solicitor being back on to you? Can we discuss it again now? Can we... And, and the minister never heard back from Brother Garvey. Brother Garvey is front, middle and centre of this. It's his choice to treat these people like that. And I understand that that's an uncomfortable truth to hear. And if, if anybody in that, that's not aware of the facts, uh, Brother Garvey's family or anyone wants to, wants to get on to us, we'll, we'll show him facts, we'll show him letters. Um, Brother Garvey doesn't, doesn't I don't believe... Well, if if he wrote to me last year when I wrote to him. Like, we've been getting on to him loads of times, you know. Mm. And he doesn't believe that this is an obstructive tactic. Uh, he, he found that offensive, that, that, that remark. Um, so, that, so, so this, where this is, we're looking for basically a symbolic reparation. Choices made by Brother Garvey have blocked the, the pathways to justice for these men. They can't, they, they can't, they don't get a just treatment in court. Neil there was talking about 163 um, different, uh, 163 different defendants he, he was dealing with elderly men and it's not fair on those either but eventually Neil was pounded down he was pounded down he did six years six hard years of being boxed around the place by the by the litigation strategy of brothers and it, he decided that he he was he wanted to, to to take a settlement and whatever he was getting he was leaving Ireland he, he lives abroad now mm. and he was uh, he was taken that day and that was it there was no fight left in him um and that, that's what they'd that, that's what they that's what they'd done to him you know and it's just right and these other victims now they're looking for symbolic reparation their rights are to go into court and that's been they're, they're just the roadblocks that are just being put up all, mm. all the time and they're asking the people of Draha to, to stand with them in solidarity and they're asking the councillors of Draha to, to stand with them in solidarity, in solidarity well not everybody agrees with <laughs> you Damien I have to say uh, it, it seems uh, from all of uh, the feedback uh, that we've been receiving the vast majority of people do uh, agree with you and as we've been hearing in, in various ways on this programme are calling on the councillors to rescind the freedom of Draha from Brother Edmund Garvey very long email uh, that has come to us uh, from PJ Matthews, uh, which questions the legality of all of this. Uh, I'm not sure who PJ Matthews is, other than the fact that PJ Matthews uh, lives in uh, Deep Ford in Drogheda, and I know that because he wrote to the Irish Independent arguing against this, and I think he wrote to the Drogheda Independent arguing against this, uh, and so on. So there is obviously some people who oppose it. Uh, there's also a, an email that has come to us from Dignity for Patients. I, I don't think you've seen this, but I, I do want to read some of it mm -hmm. to you. They say, we consulted last, this is a, a letter that went to the councillors uh, who yeah. were going to vote on this today. Yeah. They said, uh, we consulted last week with our, our victims and survivors in regards to this, most of whom are adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse by Michael Shine, a former surgeon working out of our Lady of Lourdes Hospital in Drogheda when it was under the auspices of uh, the medical missionaries. The overwhelming response, 94% of our victim and survivor respondents is to support the rescinding of the freedom of Drogheda from Brother 
Edmund Garvey, we wish to convey this to you on their behalf. Furthermore, this email says, Dignity for Patients as an organisation also wish to reiterate our position that we support all victims and survivors of sexual abuse and agree they should be supported in their justice pathways, whether that be criminal justice, civil justice, or in this case, symbolic justice. So interesting thoughts being shared with the councillors there in support of what you're looking for, Damien. Yeah, and I'm not one bit surprised. Um, Victims, like, we stick together. We stick together and we get support from... We we stick together and we get support from all over the country. So I'm not a bit surprised... So I'd like to thank Dignity for patience for that for that message this morning. Um, a terrible wrong was done on them a couple of weeks ago by their for, former chairperson, um, Paul Murphy. He, he resigned and, and that matter is over now. Um, but look, we're, we're, all the victims are on the same side. And I think any right-minded, reasonable person in Drada would be on the, in the same side as us as well. I contacted a really hurtful thing, I suppose, for, for the victims' point of view. And people can vote this afternoon anyway the way they want. And... Victims would ex- would um, respect that, absolutely respect that, because we're, we're in a democracy. But when you have elected reps and they won't listen to victims, you know, so I sent some messages even, like we've been trying to get in touch with Mayor Tully, um, Kevin Callan, James Byrne and Declan Power for 11 months now, 11 months of trying to speak to these people and never once have they responded and I sent voice messages, WhatsApp voice messages to them last week and I asked them to look at the news on that night Um I asked them really kindly, really nicely, would they uh, maybe consider meeting me over the weekend just to chat? I could hear their views, they could hear mine. Um, I, I felt that f- from Mayor Tully, she would be fulfilling her duties then as first citizen. Um, but I didn't hear any anything back f- from the four of them. And that's quite, um, I don't think that's the way that um, public reps should should carry out. We, we've even had to, I even had to send, I was very impressed with a with an audio on your, on your show from a, a lady from Deirdre Kenny, She's from one in four. She she explained our positions really well. The victims felt that she got inside their heads. So I sent those that audio maybe a week ago or ten days ago to the uh, to the Taoiseach, um, Leo Varadkar to see if he could intervene and get that tape to to uh, the Fine Gael Mayor Tully. I don't know what happened. What happened? I haven't heard back about okay. that. And I also sent a tape then to. Uh, to the tarnished uh, Michal Martin to see if he could send that tape to James Byrne. This was the way. Could he intervene? But I haven't heard back. Like, Okay. I just want to bring more of uh, this email to you. It's signed on behalf of uh, the board and staff of Dignity for Patients. And they say, in our opinion and that of the victims and survivors, we represent zero tolerance is not just applicable to the hand that abuses, but to the hand that facilitates, the hand that ignores, and the hand that protects that abuse from accountability and justice, including symbolic justice. Uh, As I say, that's another part of uh, that email that has gone to the town councillors. The town councillors have the right to vote on this today, and they alone have that right. What is your message to them? Well, first of all, I want to say to to Councillor Paddy McQuillan, Councillor Maeve Hall, Councillor Joanna Byrne, Councillor Tom Cunningham, and Councillor Emma Cutlip. Michelle Hall, yeah. And Michelle Hall, we are so grateful for your support. You have no idea. You have the majority today. You have five votes. The maximum the other side will have is four. There's a meeting today. There's a lawful motion on the CLAR. We've had to go ahead from the Department of uh, Housing, Local Government and Heritage. 
Um, the victims don't believe they've had fair play from officials before um, before this in, in other meetings. There is no reason why a motion cannot be voted on and passed today. And we're asking you now to go and, and do that. Suspend standing orders if you wish. Do whatever you have to to support victims. And we are so grateful to you for standing up. And you believe the result will be 5-4. That's nine votes. Uh, um uh, or at a minimum 5-4, but uh, the reason why it's only nine votes is uh, P.O. Smith is on leave. Yeah, P.O. Smith is on leave. I don't think the other side will have four votes, really. I don't think in all consciousness the, the mayor could vote against us um, without meeting to us, without talking to us as first mm. citizen. She has a dual role. She's a little bit different than the other councillors. She's a first citizen of Drada. And, and and I really don't think that she could she could vote again without listening to us. You know, okay. you, you, you know yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a local councillor myself, and um, the mayor they step into a different chair when yeah. when, when they're the mayor. An independent yeah. role, yeah. Yeah, and Absolutely. the other the other three um, the other three councillors. I don't know would they really vote against to stop standing in solidarity um, with with victims not not listening to them? It really would say a lot about. We'll the find out probably before five o'clock this evening, uh, and you'll hear the result on LMFM News. That's where we leave it today. Damien O'Farrell, thanks uh, for that. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie.